Today I want to continue on from my message I preached a couple of weeks ago called Priests. And reading from Scripture, the Apostle Peter said in 1 Peter 2 verse 5, he said, you, and he was speaking, when he said you, he was speaking to believers, those who follow Jesus. He said in 1 Peter 2 5, you as living stones, are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So today, if you are here and you count yourself as a follower of Christ, you count yourself as a believer, you and I, according to, to this passage, are one of many living stones, a part of a spiritual house that God is building. And in that house, this verse tells us, you are a priest. In fact, you're part of a holy priesthood. And of course, I know many of us believe that. I know many of us here, if you've been a Christian for a while, you know that, you believe that, you say amen. Amen to that. We, we, we believe in this church and the, the priesthood of all believers. In fact, a couple of verses on, verse 9, I think it is in that same chapter, Peter doesn't just say you're a holy priesthood. He, he says you're a royal priesthood. You're part of a royal priesthood. And so, so we're here today and we, we understand that, we believe that, and really, I, I guess we're saying amen to that. But the question we are tackling, the question we are tackling though is if we are priests, if we are priests, what is it that priests do? In fact, if you and I are priests, what is it that we as priests are to do? And of course, this passage leaves us in no doubt whatsoever. It tells us the priest's job is to what? Is to offer up spiritual sacrifices. What kind of sacrifices? Ones that are acceptable to God. Ones that are pleasing to God, to Him. See, the priest understands that their role in the house of, in the house, the, the, their role in the house God is building is not, is not about what pleases them. The priests understand this is not about me. It's not about what pleases, pleases them, or what is convenient to them, or what is easy for them. They, the, the priest understands this is not about them. It's about him. And so it always was and always will be first and foremost for the priest about what pleases and is acceptable to God. I've been married to Anita for 35 years. Thank you. Some of you are not too sure what to... Well, I've been married to Anita for 35 years. We're still getting to know each other. Actually, she wasn't meant to be here today. She's meant to be in Tauranga, so I'm like, I've got to be really careful. 
but we're getting to know each other. And, and like any person, Anita has preferences. She has preferences. In other words, she has things that she likes. And of course, in any meaningful relationship, one of the ways you get to know and grow that relationship is you, you find out what that person likes. And then if you want to really grow that relationship, you, you, you try and do what they like. Because I know she's got preferences, and so I, I need to find out what she likes, and then, then, then to build that, I need to do what she likes. It's simple, but it's not easy. <laughs> and all the husbands go, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, for us, for a start, and you think about our relationship, I need us from India. And I'm from New Zealand, so straight away there are cultural differences going on for a start. You know, when, when, when we first met in India, there were things I just didn't understand. I just, I just didn't get. There were cultural differences. I, I, I didn't understand them. I've, I, I've told before, but I'm going to tell again the, the soft drink story. When we were in a town called Kapuli, we were getting to know one another. And Kapuli's this village, and it was so stinking hot. It was something like 47 degrees. It was in the middle of summer and it, it was hot. And so I, I wanted a drink. And in India in those days, you couldn't get Coca-Cola. You couldn't get anything. Like India kicked all those, country, all those uh, countries and stuff and companies out. And so India had its own soft drinks. They, they had Thumbs Up, Gord Spot, and Limka. And so that was the drinks you could buy. But the, the annoying thing was they put them into these 200 mil bottles. Which are, which, which are tiny. You, they barely filled the cup. I mean, I could drink five of those things. And so here I was in this hot 47 degree temperature and I'm with Anita and the rest of our team. And so I, 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 I buy a drink and I say to Anita, you know, we weren't, we weren't, you know, we weren't getting close that time. We're just getting to know one another. But I said to her, would you like a drink? And she's like, no. I said, sure. No, no. And so I did what any normal person would do. I drank the whole lot. Only to find out now she's mad at me. She's not talking to me. She's, she's mad. Any husband say, oh, no, no, but don't, 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 just settle down. I feel your pain. But I don't know what's wrong. What's, what, 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 what is wrong? Why are you mad? Why are you upset? She's like, you didn't even offer me a drink. I was like, I did offer you a drink. She's like, no, no, no. When you offer, in India, when you offer a drink, we're always going to say no, 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 no. But we, you've got to understand, in India, our no means yes. And of course, everything in me, I was just new to the Bible, everything in me wanted to be, yell out, woman, let your yes be yes and your no be. No, but I was like, hold it back. When she's like, no, in India, what do you do? You, 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 when, you, when, we, when you offer a drink, we'll say no, no, but we're really saying yes, we're just being polite. And so you have to keep going, no, come on, take, take, take. That day, 
I came to understand the Indian way and the Indian woman. Because Anita has preferences. And because she has preferences, and I want to love her in the way she wants to be loved, right? I, 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 as we get married and so on, I, I'm paying attention to what she, what she likes. Because she has preferences. I mean, she's, she, she's Indian. She likes her food hot and spicy. She doesn't like bland <laughs> Bland food. In fact, I, I remember so clearly in India, you can get these things called puffs. And, 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 and they, they look like sausage rolls. And I don't know why I'm talking like <laughs> That's how I talk when I go to India. Because they say, oh, your English is so beautiful. <laughs> so good. We can understand you. These other foreigners, we can't understand anything. <laughs> I, I, when I arrive at the airport, that's what I turn into. Like then he speaks so clearly. But there's these things called puffers, and they look like sausage rolls. And so when Anita came to New Zealand when we got married, and she started looking, and she went into a, to, to a bakery, and there was a so all puffs. When she saw a sausage roll, she bought it, she bit it, and then she spit it. <laughs> you know, oh, this food is so bland, so bland. Why? Because she likes her food hot and spicy. Anita, that's her preference. Anita loves eating. I'm telling you stuff about Anita. I'm sure she'll tell you stuff about me. But Anita loves eating chilies. She eats them raw. So she loves eating, eating chilies. I don't understand why. But I guess I don't need to. I just got to know that she likes them. I don't know why she eats them. I just know that that's what she does and she likes them. And so when she first came to New Zealand and we were just, just married in those days in New Zealand, the land was bland. And, and, and you couldn't find fresh, not like today. You couldn't find fresh chilies anywhere. So I was, I was so excited that one day when I was in Wellington in the suburb of Kandala, and Kandala actually is an Indian name. If you go to Kandala, all the streets are named Indian. And that was a special place for us because we met in the real Kandala in India. That's where we met. And so here in Kandala, I walked into an Indian dairy and there it was. Oh, a bag of fresh chilies. A bag of fresh chilies. And the minute I saw it, I thought, Anita will love this. She will like this. And so I brought her this bag of fresh chilies. And when I brought it home, she was so excited because it's what she likes. No, she, she, she was so excited. She was like, hallelujah, there is a God. <laughs> and in fact, if you ask her, you still remember that today. That was just like such a, you know, the, people have kind of miracle moment. That for her, that's a moment. <laughs> She remembers, it's like, God, you've, you've helped me in this bland land. <laughs> so she still remembers that. Why? Because she likes them, and I want to do what she likes. I mean, she loves coffee in the morning. She needs coffee in the morning. <laughs> 
Even before her quiet time, God says, give her coffee in the morning. And so for the last, I don't know, 35 years, I have made her coffee every single morning, even tomorrow, even this morning. I make her coffee. Why? Because I know she likes it. And so I genuinely want to please her. Don't I, darling? I genuinely want to please her, and so I do what she likes. And here's the thing. I'm never going to go, hey, I brought you some fruit tea. I'm ne- it's never going to enter my mind. I'm going I'm I'm to bring you some fruit tea because she likes fruit tea. What, have I asked for fruit tea? I want coffee, get me coffee. I've not asked for, so I'm never going to give her fruit tea. Why? Because it's not what she likes. I just wouldn't do it because it's not what she likes. See, Anita is a person and she has preferences. There are things that she likes. The God of the Bible is a person. He is not an impersonal cosmic force. We're we're, we're not deists. He's not an impersonal cosmic force. The God of the Bible is a person. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. The God of the Bible is a person. And because God is a person, he has preferences. He has things that he likes. And in a good relationship, you find out what a person's preferences are, what they like, and then you try to do them. And of course, that's a picture here, really, of Christian worship. Christian worship is what? It's finding out. Christian worship is finding out what God's personal preferences are, what He, God, likes, and then we do what he likes because that's the priest's job see the priest's job is to what offer up spiritual sacrifices what kind of sacrifices ones that are acceptable to God ones that he in other words ones that he likes so the question is, what kind of sacrifice does he, he like? Well, if you've been around the Bible for a while and you have a study Bible, you'll see cross-referenced in that place of 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 5, you'll see cross-referenced Hebrews 13, verse 15 and 16. It says this. It says, through him, through Jesus, it says, let us. Let us who? Who's it speaking to? It's speaking to, to, to believers, those who believe in Jesus. Through him, then let us continually, everybody say continually. This is not just something about Sundays, continually. Through him, then let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is, the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. And then verse 16, do not neglect to do good and to share what you have. For such sacrifices are pleasing 
to God. So when we look at this verse, there are two things here. Number, number one, it says, let us continually offer a sacrifice of praise. And number two, verse 16, it tells us, do not neglect to do good and to share what you have for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. Let's talk about number one for a moment. Really, when we're talking about number one, we're talking about the fact that it's talking about our worship, isn't it? It's talking about a sacrifice of praise. It's talking about our worship. The Westminster Catechism in the 16th century written said the chief end of man is what? It is to worship God and enjoy him forever. That is the chief end of man. And so it's talking about our worship. There, there is such a thing as a sacrifice of praise. And, and we're to offer it up. We're to bring it. And the thing is, I've been a pastor for, for, for a long time now. And over the years, in my conversations with people, not in this service, but in the other services, you know, from time, time to time, I, I hear people say, well, but, but Pastor, I, I, I don't always feel like it. You know, I know worship's important, but I don't always feel like it. But the thing is, it's not about you. This is not about you. When, when, when we're thinking about this, and this is what priests understand this, that, that what we do here is not about you. It's not about what, what you like or what you feel. Because you might not feel it, but, but again, it's a sacrifice, isn't it? It's a sacrifice. That's, that's where the sacrifice part comes into it. It's a sacrifice of praise. It's not so much about how I feel or how you feel. Because we, 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 I mean, we may turn up here and maybe you're here now and you've, you've gone through stuff in the week that has been difficult and you've gone through stuff that's been hard and, and, and pressurized. It's like, oh man, I don't know. I don't, oh, I don't feel like praising him tonight. What's well, not about how we feel? We don't praise him because, oh, I feel great today, so I can praise No, 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 we praise him because why? Because he's worthy of all praise. He's worthy of, and Natalie read it up, of, he's worthy of all glory. Come on, somebody. Come on, let's stand up just for five seconds and give him a praise break. He is worthy of all praise. He is worthy of all honor. He is worthy. It's not about how I feel. It's not, I'm giving a sacrifice of praise. Hallelujah. It's not about us. Grab a seat. It's not about us. It's not about you. It's about him. See, the priest understands this. The priest, is it raining outside? Yeah. <laughs> See, the priest understands that their role in the house God is building is not about them. It's not about what pleases them. 
or is acceptable or convenient to them. And we talked about that the, the last time, right? The priest understands that. Like, like if we approach church with it, it's about me. And, and, and you know, that's where you're going to turn up and go, oh, oh, they're on worship today? Oh, I love it when so-and-so's on worship today. If we approach church, we're going to miss it. No, we come to we, we come to church. It's not about us or what we can get from it. It's about what we can get. We're coming to offer up. Come on, somebody. We're coming to offer up a sacrifice of praise, whether I feel it, because he alone is worthy. And so the priests understand it's not about what's convenient to, to them. No, no. It was and is always first and foremost about what pleases and is acceptable to God. See, the problem with the modern church is that when we think about our relationship to Jesus, and you'll hear people all the time, and we've said it from time to time, it's not a religion, it's a relationship. But I heard one speaker say, I would any day have a religion over a relationship. Why? Because relationships are hard. They're difficult. But you see, our view of our relationship with Jesus in the modern church context is really, when we think about our relationship with Jesus, it's really we're in the driver's seat in control and we're like, buckle up, Lord and Savior. As I take you on this journey, help me out when I need it. That's our view of, but how many know, that is not how relationships work. If you haven't discovered, if you're newly married, you're, you're going to start to discover you, you, you can't always do whatever you want <laughs> in a relationship. There, there are things when you get into a relationship with someone, there are things that you can't do. There are things that you don't get to do in a relationship. And of course the priest understands in this relationship with God that it's not about us, it's about him. It's about what he likes. And according to that scripture we just read out, he likes when we praise him. I said he likes when we praise him. When we worship him. He likes that. That's a preference of his. And of course, Scripture tells us in so many ways how to praise. And you will hear me from time to time say, and many, many, many times in the course of our singing towards the end of our worship, I'll talk about, come on, let's give him our best praise. Clap ye hands, all ye people, and shout unto God with a voice of triumph. I, 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 I say that, but I'm, I'm not just making that up to hype up the church. Please understand, that's God's word. Psalm 47 verse 1, oh, clap your hands, all ye people, not just the ones who feel like it, not just the ones who are, oh, yeah, that's, I, I can do that. It says, clap your hands, all ye people, shout unto God with a voice of triumph. God's into clapping. God's into clapping. He, he, he likes 
you go, well, how does God, God, God like to be? He's into clapping. He's into a shout in the appropriate place. If you start shouting right now, security will remove you. But there is a time for clapping. There is a time for shouting. God's into clapping. God is into shouting. He likes that. We saw in Hebrews that scripture we read out, it talks about the fruit of our lips. In other words, using our voice for singing. God's into that. In fact, in Psalm 47 verse 1 in the ESV, it says, clap that same verse. It says, clap your hands. Another translation, clap your hands, all peoples. Shout to God with loud songs of joy. Tap your neighbor and say, you need to sing way louder than you do. I mean, really. And the thing is, over the years, I've had people come and say, well, pastor, I'm not into all that happy, clappy stuff. I, I, I don't, I don't, I don't, you know, I don't, that's not me. I don't like that kind of stuff. This is not about you. I don't like that kind of, this is not about what you like. Well, I don't feel this is not about what you feel. Oh, I'm trying to set a culture here. I, I, I'm trying, listen, I, I, as I said a couple of weeks ago, I'm trying to move, move us from lifting up our latte to the Lord. Come on, somebody. We're going to change the culture in here. When we come in here, we are coming to worship the King of kings and the Lord of lords who is worthy of all glory, worthy of all honor, worthy of all praise. That's who we're worshiping in this place. It's not about what we like, it's about what God likes. See, understand when in 1 Peter 2 verse 5, it's, it speaks of offering up a sacrifice. When it speaks of that, understand the language that is being used there is tabernacle and temple language. It's tabernacle and, 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 and temple terminology. That's the language when it speaks about offering up a sacrifice. That's the picture that Peter, the apostle Peter, is building. Natalie spoke in that scripture in Chronicles about King David. We know, we, we know that King David loved God's tabernacle. King David loved God's tabernacle, the, uh, the tent of meeting, the place where people met with God. David, King David loved God's tabernacle, the place where where daily sacrifices were offered to God. In Psalm 141, verse 2, we find David perhaps, some scholars say, hiding. They don't know for sure. But in the wilderness, perhaps hiding from Saul, who was out to kill him, out to, out to get him. And so he's, he's in the wilderness, and he's a bit down. He's a bit sad, and so he's, He's sitting there and he's kind of like band on the run, if you know that album, band on the run. He's kind of like, he's sitting there, he's sad, he's a bit down, and so he decides to write songs about it. 
And so he starts to write Psalm 141, this, this, this song. And he says this, let my prayer, this is King David. He said, let my prayer be counted as incense. Let my prayer be counted as incense before you. And the lifting up of my hands, and the lifting up of my hands as the evening sacrifice. You know, when he talks about the incense there, you can see David, he loves the tabernacle. And he's saying, well, my, well, my, Lord, I can't be there at the moment. I'm away from, I, I wish I could be there. I wish I could be near the tabernacle, but he's like, could my prayer, could my prayer be like that incense? If you think about the incense, the altar of incense and the tabernacle, it was the thing that was the closest. The incense was the closest thing to the veil where you could go into the most holy place. It was the closest place you could get to God. And David's like, could my prayer, even though I can't be there, God, would you, would you, can my prayer be like that incense, like that altar? Near to you. He's like, I can't be there right now, but could my prayer be like that? And then he says, I can't, I can't be there right now, God, but, but could the lifting of my hands, I can't be there for the, for the daily sacrifice, but, 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 but could the lifting of my hands could the lifting of my hands be as a, like the evening sacrifice to you? And we know prophetically like God's like, yes, yes. I love hands. I love lifted hands. He loves lifted hands. Listen, I'm going to say this. When we lift hands, we're not being weird. We lift hands, why? Because God likes it. He likes it. It's one of his preferences. The Apostle Paul said to his son in the Lord Timothy, in 1 Timothy 2 verse 8, he said, I desire then that in every place that men, I want to speak to the men here today. Because I know, ladies, you, you, many places you got this, but I, I, I want to say also we've got to be careful that we don't feminize worship. He said, I desire then that in every place that men should pray, lifting holy hands while I'm not into that. Lifting holy, hand, holy hands without anger or quarreling. You know, I'm, I'm just not, 
I'm not into that lifting hand stuff. That's, listen, Pastor, that's, that's just, that's not me. I, I just like to worship in my own way. I like to do it my way, and I'm just like, settle down, Frank Sinatra. It's not about what we want. It's about what he wants. We're here to please him. And he's into hands. He's into lifted hands. See, here's what I want you to understand today. When it comes to offering a sacrifice to God, we don't dictate the terms. We don't dictate the terms. He does. God does. It is God who determines what is acceptable. It is God who determines what is an acceptable sacrifice. Not you, not me. And in the days of the tabernacle and the temple, you, you, you understand if you've been around the Bible for a while, you, you'll understand in the days of the tabernacle and the t- temple, you could not just bring anything you wanted to sacrifice. You could not just offer up anything. There were patterns. There were things required. You couldn't just offer up whatever you wanted. You offered up. He sets the terms. He sets the conditions. He knows what he likes. You couldn't just offer any sacrifice you wanted, God. Because God asked us, what, 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 what for a lamb without what? Spot or blemish? You couldn't just offer up any, say, oh, take that one with only three legs. That'll do. He sets the terms and conditions. Not you, not me. Right back to the book of Genesis, Cain and Abel. He sets the terms and conditions of our worship, not us. He determines what is an acceptable sacrifice, not you, not me. It's not about whether it's easy for us or whether it's about, about, about what you like. It's about him. It's about what he likes. We, we just bring and offer up our best. That's why I challenge the men to step up. Oh, well, I just don't. It's not about you. He's in to lifted hands. He's into the clap. He's into the singing of loud songs. God is a personal God and he has preferences and we may not understand those preferences, but we don't have to. We just need to give him the chilies. Just give him the chilies. Give him because he likes them. That's what, do what he likes. Hebrews 13, verses 15 through 16, what we read before, through him, let us continually, not just on Sunday, but on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of our lips that acknowledge his name. Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. Number one, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise. Number two, do not neglect to do good And share what you have. 
What type of sacrifices does God like? This kind of sacrifice. For such sacrifices are pleasing to God. Remember, priests first and foremost. Number one, said this a couple of weeks ago, first and foremost, their job is to minister to the Lord. That's the sacrifice of praise, our best worship. We're to give Him our best worship. Number two, we're then to priest, as priests, we're to minister to others. That's where we can do good. That's where we can share what we have. Those are two things that the Bible says, please God. Remember the question we are taking today is if we are priests, what is it the priests do? And we've seen the priest's job is to offer up spiritual sacrifices. What kind of sacrifices? Ones that are acceptable to God. You might be here going, okay, I can lift my hands. I can sing a song. I can do good. I can share what I have. And that's amazing. But I want to tell you in Romans chapter 12, verse 1, Paul steps it up a level. The Apostle Paul in Romans 12, verse 1, I'm nearly done. He says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies, your whole being, everything, all that you are, by the mercies of God, to present, everybody say present. Present your bodies as living, as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. The King James Version says this, which is your reasonable, just as reasonable, it's your reasonable service. And so Paul here, again, is using temple terminology, tabernacle language. Because you've got to understand, offerings, sacrificial offerings were always presented. They weren't taken. People didn't go and take them. They were presented. You would present the offering. You would freely present it. You were were free to, to bring your offering to the Lord or not bring it. You present your offering. Offerings were always presented out of... Albert Barnes' commentary of the Bible says it like this. The word used here, present, commonly denotes the action of bringing and presenting an animal or other sacrifices before an altar. It implies that the action was a free and voluntary offering. The act of devoting ourselves to God is one of the most free that we ever perform. And Paul's inviting us to present ourselves, our entire person, our being, to the service of God. He's saying, would you say, my life's yours, God. Of which the King James Version says, this is just your reasonable service. That's God's preference. Of, and of course, it's, it's our reasonable service because Christ gave his all for us. He gave his all for us. Will the communion stewards come and stand where you need to stand as we prepare for communion? Christ gave his all 
for us. You know, the cross, we know Jesus was our once and for all unique sacrifice. In Hebrews 10 verse 10, I, I, I love this. It says, speaking to believers, it says, we have been, oh, I hope you hear this. It says, we have been made holy. We have been made holy. You, you know, we cannot attain holiness in and of ourselves. We have been made holy. We couldn't do it. God did it. It says, we have been made holy. How? Through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. And because of that, we don't, we no longer need to make sacrifices. We don't, we don't, not like those in the Old Testament. We don't need, because of what Christ has done on the cross, we don't need to make sacrifices to cover sin or atone for sin anymore. That is what Jesus has done. That's what the cross and resurrection accomplished. It dealt to our sin. It dealt to our guilt. It dealt to our shame once and for all. Took care of sin. You know, from the North Pole to the South Pole is a distance of 12,436 miles or 20,000 kilometers. The distance between the North Pole and the South Pole. The distance between the North and South Pole is the farthest distance on this planet one can travel. But here's the thing, if you were traveling North Eventually, you'd get to a place where you'd be traveling south. And if you keep traveling south, eventually, you'll get to a place where you're traveling north again. So if you're going north, you'll eventually end up traveling south. If you're going south, you'll eventually end up traveling north. That's how it is with north and south. But east and west are different. You see, because if you travel east, at no point ever will you end up traveling west. If you travel east, you can keep traveling east indefinitely. The Word of God says this in Psalm 103, verse 12. As far as the east is from the west, so far has He removed our transgressions from us. So far. 
I want to tell you today, some of you are doing your life north, south, north, south. I'm keeping on going around. Oh, then I'm no more traveling. No, you need to go east. Come on, somebody. You need to understand the word as far as the east is from the west. So far, indefinitely, eternal, gone. I don't deserve it. You say, yeah, you don't. We don't. He did it for us. He gave his all. So we didn't have to. And so today as we come to communion, that is what this cup and what this bread represents. It's what it symbolizes. Our sin and shame dealt with once and for all through the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. The cup symbolizing his shed blood, the bread, his body given for us. He died our death so that we could freely live his life. He gave his all for us. And in Romans chapter 12, verse 1, he said, would you give your all for me? Would you present yourself as a living sacrifice? So as we come to communion today, let us reflect. Let us once again afresh give of ourselves to him as he has given himself for us because that's what he likes. And we want to do in this church what he likes. And so would you stand? And you can come out from the left and return to the right. But would you come eat and drink and give thanks as we eat and drink the bread and the cup? Would you come?